I am Leslie Rowe, and I'm on staff here at Denton North. And I want to welcome you if this is your first time here or if this is your 500th time here. And um, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And if you need anything while you're here, if we can help you with anything, if we can pray for you in any way, um, please track one of us down and let us do that for you this morning. And just a couple of announcements before we get started. The first one is the announcement about the leadership training that's on March the 8th. Um, we started doing a training for our church leaders, that our team that we call the Chulas, a couple of years ago. Um, but we very quickly decided that we wanted to open that up to the whole church. And so starting last year, we started doing that on the first Sunday of spring break. Um, and so that's going to be March the 8th. It's going to be during our normal worship time, but we just wanted you to know that um, it would be different. Like it's going to be seminar style. It's going to be interactive. Um, and I tried so stinking hard to come up with a really fun name for it. And so I, I ran through several different ideas in my head. I was like, snacks and snippets. No, 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 no. Okay. Donuts and Disciples. No, 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 no. Conversations and Coffee. And I quit after that. I was like, it's just not happening, and I've spent way too much time on this already. So just know that it's leadership training in the sense that all of us are leaders in one way or another, and we just need some training on some topics every once in a while. So we came up with some things that we thought would be helpful to the majority of our people. And um, we're going to talk about how to be a friend as an introvert or an extrovert. Um, there were a couple of other things. I can't even remember what all the topics are. I'm sorry. But uh, we're going to cover those specific things that morning. So I would really encourage you to join us that day. We would love for you to be here. Yeah, it didn't say that because I didn't know that. So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, there will be a full lunch. There's a reward if you come to the training. That's, that's what we're saying there. And then for our ladies' retreat, um, there was some confusion on this. I just wanted to let our college women know that this includes you. So, if you want to be a part of that retreat, you're more than welcome to come. Um, and so, please do sign up. The link is also on our Facebook page, um, so if uh, you missed it when it was on the announcement, you can go to our Facebook page and find it, but we need you to sign up this week. So if you want to go, we need you to sign up this week, and then um, I'll be taking your payments. Now, someone wanted to know if I had an app to send payments to, like a cash app or something. When I say I am taking payments, I don't mean like I personally am taking payments. I mean like the ch I'm taking payments for the church. So you having my personal cash app is not going to help much. <laughs> so you can pay through the square when it comes around. If you'll just put in the note, um, retreat or ladies or anything like that to designate it, you can also um, pay me directly if you want to give me a check or cash or whatever. If you need to make payment arrangements, you can see me about that as well. But there's several different ways you can pay for that. Um, the church account also has Zelle. So if you have Zelle and you want to send it that way, you can do that too. But that's something that we would love as many of our women as possible to be here for. Okay, so we are in the middle of um, a sermon series called Emotions and the Character of God, and we are specifically using Isaiah chapter 40, and we're basing our sermons off of that each week, and we're also working on memorizing Isaiah 40, and so we're going to start this morning. This is the easy one. Like, if you haven't, if you haven't stood up and shown us your memorization abilities yet, today's a good day to do it because we only have one verse and that is uh, verse 11. But if you want a bigger challenge and you want to quote 1 through 11, you're also welcome to do that. But before we get to that, I want to give you a heads up that during the sermon, I'm going to have, give you an opportunity to share, and the prompt is describe a time you felt really cared for. 
describe a time you felt really cared for. So we're going to share that later in the sermon, so you can kind of be thinking about that and, and what you might have to share there. Okay, so any volunteers to quote Isaiah 40, 11 or 1 through 11? Okay, Ashley, he's going to bring you the microphone, and you can sit or stand, whichever you prefer. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's where I got stuck, too. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, a voice of one calling. Uh, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In the desert, make straight a highway for our God. Every valley shall be brought up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough places shall be level, the rugged, the rugged places a plain. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, a voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? The people, all the people are as grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall for the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely all people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who proclaim good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who proclaim good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He gently, he tends his flock as a shepherd he gently he gathers the lambs to his in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Perfect. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Anybody else want to give it a try? Come on. Okay, David's going to do it. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard work has been completed and that her sins have been paid for that she was received from the Lord double for all of her sins. A voice calls out, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight a desert highway for your God. All the valleys shall be raised up and the mountains and hills made low. The rough places made level and the rugged places a plain. And all this so the glory of the Lord will be revealed that all who look upon it will see that the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice says, call out. And I say, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and their faithfulness the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, as the breath of the Lord is upon them. Surely all people are like grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. So you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mount. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift it up with a shout. Lift it up, and do not be afraid, and tell the cities of Judah, this is your God. For the sovereign Lord comes with power. And rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies them. He's like a shepherd. Uh, he's like a shepherd, and uh, he gathers. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> he's like a shepherd, and gathers the lambs to him. And he holds them close to his heart and leads those who have young. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> David and I have been working on this, and um, he and I were super excited when we realized we had memorized one through eight instead of just one through six. So, yeah, yeah. And now he's added on to that, obviously. So you guys are doing a great job with this, and I just want to encourage you to not give up. It's like it's going to get harder the longer that we go and the longer we have to, to memorize, um, but it's going to be worth it, and it's going to be worth it to have that to speak to you um, when you need it, and so continue working on that, and if you haven't started yet, it's not too late to jump in, so don't let that stop you either. So I want us to start this morning uh, with a prayer. God, I just pray that as we work on memorizing Isaiah 40, that that would seep into our hearts, God, 
that it would seep into our minds and that more than just the words, your message uh, would be implanted there for us. And I pray that you'll use it uh, to speak to us throughout the weeks and throughout the years, Lord. I pray that you'll give us the ability, that you'll give us the courage to uh, memorize the, this scripture. Um, God, I just pray that you would speak to us about gentleness this morning, and I pray that it would be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So somebody read verse 11 loudly, please. If you'll let me know, I'll have them bring you the microphone. Who will read? Okay. Tyrus? Is it on? Okay, cool. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Okay, so verse 11 tells us two things about God. It tells us that he's a shepherd, and it tells us that he's gentle. And it not only uses the word gentle as an adjective, but it also uses the image of gathering the lambs in his arms and carrying them close to his heart to paint a picture of gentleness for us. And so that's the picture of the shepherd up here. That's not it, but you know, it's coming. Gentleness is saying, not now. Okay, so this is the shepherd carrying the lamb, and notice that he's got the lamb close to his heart. I think that's a really important part of this image. And the other sheep are following behind, but the lamb has short little legs, and it's hard for the lamb to keep up. And so the shepherd is carrying the lamb. And this comparison of God and Jesus as shepherds and the people as sheep is all throughout the Bible. It starts in Genesis, and it carries all the way through to a reference in Revelations. Even as I was reading in Numbers this week, um, there is a, a scene where it's at the end of Moses' life, and God tells him that he's going to die. And Moses says to God, please appoint another leader for the people. Don't let them be like sheep without a shepherd. And so all through the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New, we find that. And I would just encourage you to take some time to read further about that, because I think it tells us a lot about the character of God. And so kind of the embodiment of the Good Shepherd in the Old Testament is Psalms 23, and the embodiment of the Good Shepherd in the New Testament is John chapter 10. So if you would just read those two chapters, I think you'll get a good idea of what God was trying to say about his heart through that image. Psalms 23 and John 10. And the reason that that image is used is because that was very common to the people in those days. Not so much to us, though. That's not a super common image for us. And so I put a couple of other images up here that I thought might be more common. One of them is a father with his child. And notice again, the child close to the heart. That's how we tend to carry babies. Okay, and then the next one is a mother and her child. And again, got that baby close to the heart. And I think those are images uh, that it's easier for us to relate to rather than a shepherd and sheep. Um, but gentleness, I think, is not a character trait that we often think of as being desirable. And I think that's because we relate it to weakness. We relate gentleness and weakness. And while it's true that we can use gentleness in weak ways— like, if we're people pleasers, we can use gentleness to get out of telling people the truth. Like, we can say that would be harsh, that wouldn't be gentle to tell them the truth. Um, we can use it to soften conviction that's really painful for people to the point that it doesn't do its job. And we do it in, in saying that that would be harsh, that's not very gentle. But I think if we back up and we read verse 10 that with verse 11, that we'll see that gentleness is not weakness. 
that gentleness is not the absence of conflict or the absence of strength, that gentleness is not permissiveness. So verse 10 says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. And then verse 11, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Notice the word arm in verse 10 and in verse 11. In verse 10, the word arm talks about an arm that he rules with. The arm in the Bible was a symbol of strength. And the image here in this particular verse is a military one where the Lord is fighting a battle and overpowering the opposition. It's talking about the powerful returning God in this uh, use of the arm. But in verse 11, the arm is used in a much different way. The arm is used as him cradling the sheep and holding them close to his heart, which you're going to hear over and over again because I think that's an important part of it is that he's holding it close to his heart. See, I think that we see in that that gentleness is not weakness, rather it's power under control. Without strength and without power, there is no gentleness. So it's not weakness. A synonym for gentle is meek. Okay, again, a word that we associate with weakness. And remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the Greek word used for meek in that sentence was used to define a horse that was trained for battle. So if you'll put up the picture of the stallion. Okay, does that look weak to you? That is a massive animal. That is a strong animal. Look how big it is compared to the people standing next to it. See, wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and they were broken for riding so that they could be used in war. They retained their fierce spirit, their courage, their power, but they were disciplined to respond to the lightest nudge and pressure of the rider's leg. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles an hour, and they could come to a sliding stop at one word. They weren't frightened by arrows or by spears or by torches. And the word that they used is they were said to be meeked, or they were said to be gentled. These horses were taken from a state of wildness and made completely loyal to their masters. They became submissive, another word that we equate with being weak. They were submissive, but they were definitely not weak. They embodied power under control. And that's what gentleness is. And the difference here is that these horses were trained to restrain their power, but our God chooses to restrain his power for our good. Okay, Jesus is a great example of this. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He could have ridden into Jerusalem on one of these big stallions with 10,000 warrior angels with him. But how did he come in? How did Jesus come into Jerusalem on what? On a donkey. Gentle. After that, we see him overturning tables in the temple. Gentle? Next, all who he heals everyone who comes to him. Gentle. Later, he curses a fig tree. Is that gentle? So does this mean that Jesus is sometimes gentle and sometimes he's not? Jesus describes himself as gentle and humble in heart. So I don't think it's an inconsistency of him being ruled by his emotions and one minute he's gentle and one minute he's harsh. That doesn't seem to fit there. So what makes him gentle? How are all of these things gentle? 
What makes him gentle is that he has submitted that power to the Father. He doesn't use it harshly, and he doesn't use it without purpose. It's power under control. And this is probably my favorite um, image of gentle, the lioness with the cub. All right, so look where the cub is. Gentleness is about using the right amount of strength and power, not too little, not too much. And that's the perfect image of it. If this mother uses too little strength or power with that cub, the cub's going to wiggle out and fall on the ground and be trampled or hurt. But if that mother uses too much power, she's going to chomp that baby in half. Like she is very strong and her teeth are very sharp. She has to be gentle and use just the right amount of power. So what about God's character makes him gentle? The first thing is that he really knows us. God is gentle because he really knows us. Lambs, like little children, as I said before, can't walk fast. They can't walk far. And when the flock moves, their little legs get worn out pretty quickly. And if nobody helps them, they're going to get left behind. But the shepherd is not going to allow that to happen. Just imagine how comforting it must be for a little lamb to be really tired and have that strong shepherd pick that little baby up and carry it. What this says to us in this image here is that God does not put his people at a distance from himself. God keeps us close. He keeps us close to his heart. And as a matter of fact, we couldn't possibly be nearer to him. This shows that God has an intimate familiarity with each one of us. He really knows us. He knows us well enough to know what helps and what hurts. You have to know people really well to know that. A long time ago, and this is a really silly example, but a long time ago, our staff started doing this thing that whenever somebody would ask them to do something, the reply would just be no. And so we did that for several reasons. One of them was just to make people laugh because it's just funny to ask somebody to do something and then you just get this no, not doing that. Um, And one of it was because sometimes you get kind of irritated when people ask you to do things, and it was just a way to be able to kind of blow off steam and not, you know, say anything that you would would regret. So, for instance, somebody would say, hey, Les, will you make sure that all the offering baskets are at the end of the rows on Sunday morning? And I would just say no. Now, that was an irritating question to me because I put the offering basket at the end of the row literally every Sunday. I'm like, why are you asking me this? But see, I didn't have to say all that. I didn't have to get mad. I didn't have to get upset. I could just say no. And we all knew what that meant. We all knew that no meant yes. But we had somebody come on staff, as actually Ray's dad, that had not been on staff with us before. He knew all of us well, but not in that setting. And he didn't know about our no. And so he asked me one day, he said, "Um, hey, I'm teaching this class Sunday. I've sent you the copies of my handout will you run that off and have it ready for me on Sunday? And I just said no. And I didn't hear anything back from him. And then in a little bit, (laughs) I get this text message that says, "Um, okay, well, I'll I'll try and come down to the building sometime this week and see if I can make those copies before Sunday. And so I realized, okay, he didn't know the context of that. That did not feel gentle to him. Um, because I didn't know that he didn't know, and he didn't know what I was trying to say. So we have to know people um, to be able to use jokes and to be able to use sarcasm and things like that. We have to know if what we're doing with them is gentle or not. And it takes time. We have to be willing to invest time to really know people. That's what being gentle is about. I love to celebrate birthdays. 
Um, I just really like to celebrate people. I like to make them feel special. And I think that's probably because my mom did that for me. And I have a friend that really hates birthdays. Not only does she not want her birthday brought up or mentioned, she certainly does not want any kind of party or celebration. And so I thought she was just sensitive about getting older, and I thought that was pretty silly, but I just kind of let it go. But she had some coworkers that did not let it go. And so they did a big birthday celebration for her. Um, they snuck around to find out when her birthday was because she wouldn't tell people because she really hated it. Um, and that afternoon, I sat with her while she sobbed about this birthday party. And all I could do was sit with her and say, I don't understand. I don't understand. And what she said was that she went through a lot of trauma as a child and she couldn't understand why God would let her be born into that. And so birthdays were a particularly painful reminder of that. And that's why she didn't want um, to celebrate them. See, I had to really know her to know that about her. That's not something she was going to share with just anybody. And it was the only way that I could be gentle with her and know what was helpful and what was hurtful. If I didn't know her, I couldn't act gently toward her. And as a matter of fact, I, it might feel very harsh to her um, rather than the gentle that I was trying to convey. And I don't know where this really fits in, but I want to say this here so that I don't forget it. But the point of that example is not to say, never throw a birthday party for someone. Um, for someone else, that would be harsh to not throw them a birthday party. And as we get to know and as we get to love people, we're going to mess up. Like, you know, we're going to be harsh when we mean to be gentle. How would her coworkers possibly have known that? They thought they were trying to be sweet to her. They were trying to do a nice thing. And so we don't want to use things like that to excuse us from trying to be gentle with people, like I'm just going to mess it up and so I'm just not even going to try. And when we find out something like that, we just simply say, I didn't know, I'm sorry. I was trying to do a good thing for you. I wasn't trying to hurt you. Please forgive me. You know, you just apologize when you mess up, but don't let that keep you from trying. Our God knows us well, and he knows when we need to be held close, and he knows when we need to be comforted, and he knows when we need to be spurred on to get us moving. He knows if we need a hug or if we need a swift kick in the rear. He knows if we need to be teased or if we need to be spoken to in a direct manner. He knows if we need to be carried, or he knows if we need to be dragged. What is too little? What is too much? God shows gentleness through really knowing us. The second thing that I see is that God shows gentleness through the fact that he really cares about us. And we see this in so many ways in the shepherd image. Um, one of the things is that uh, in the shepherd image, what we see, and John talks about this a lot, is the fact that the shepherd uses his voice to move the sheep rather than driving them with a prod or with a dog nipping at their heels or whatever. He chooses this gentle way to lead them. And in the ancient times in the cities, there would be one sheep pen so that when shepherds came into the city, they would all put their sheep in one pen. When they got ready to leave, they had a distinctive call that only their sheep recognized. And they did that call and all their sheep came out from the other ones and followed the shepherd. During World War I, there was a group of sheep that a shepherd had and uh, some soldiers came by and stole that flock of sheep by driving them. And when the shepherd realized it, he realized he was no match for all of those soldiers. But he gave his distinctive call and his sheep came right back to him and there was nothing the soldiers could do about that. 
They couldn't stop that. That's a gentle but powerful way to lead. They also had uh, what they called a field sheep pen. And a field sheep pen only had one entrance into it. And so sometimes it was a cave. Sometimes it was a, um, uh, what was it made out of? Uh, Brick, mud brick. Sometimes it was a mud brick structure. And sometimes it had a roof over it. And sometimes it didn't. But in that field sheepfold, the shepherd actually laid his body across the door to keep a wolf from coming in or to keep the sheep from going out. He protected them, and it's where that saying that the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep comes from. The shepherd literally laid himself down to protect the sheep. The bad shepherd thinks the flock exists for his benefit. The good shepherd lives and dies for the good of the sheep. The good shepherd really cares. So in thinking through this, I wanted to give you a chance to describe a time that you felt really cared for. And it could be a time that you specifically felt really cared for by God himself. It can be a time that God used other people to make you feel cared for. So does anybody have something that you would share with us this morning about a time you felt really cared for? Okay, Margo's right here. Hi guys. So a time I felt super cared for was um, over the summer. I um, My roommate situation kind of went south and I was in the process of trying to move out of there. And in that, I decided to Uh, go move back home, but I was still working at CDO up here. And so I was commuting like 35, 40 minutes a day to go to work. And I was talking about it to Catherine Million, and she was like, that's dumb. No, come live with me for a week. And she opened up her home and actually slept on the floor so that I could have the bed um, for that week, just so that I wouldn't have to drive around a lot and because it was also welcome week. And so I felt really cared for that she just laid that aside and was uh, used the right amount of force because I'm really bad at asking for help. And she sort of forced me to come. So it was good. Yeah, she knew you really well to know how much she needed to push. Somebody else? Oh, we'll get to you in just a sec. No, go ahead. We'll, we'll bring it back over here in a minute. I am so sorry to whoever I cut off. Who's going? I, you are. Okay, okay, okay. Right amount of force, right amount of force. Okay, everybody, <laughs> sit down. I'm just kidding. Um, so I'm actually really terrible with money, and um, there was one time where I, like, was panicking. We have a three-day grace period at our house to pay our rent, and I had waited until the very last second of, like, the last couple of hours of the day to try and figure out how to pay for my rent. And I was also supposed to meet with Shayla that day, but I was panicking and I was like, Shayla, I can't meet with you. I also almost didn't go to court because I was just panicking. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and Shayla was like, why are you freaking out? Um, but essentially, long story short, I'm pretty sure that night she and Grant paid for the rest of my rent and then invited me over to their house. And I'm pretty sure they like made me dinner and offered me all of this random food and then Shayla was also letting me borrow a dress for my graduation photos. And so, um, yeah, in that moment, she had the opportunity to help me feel really beautiful and protected and secured. And then also, like, they asked me to hang out after all of that happened. And they're like, we don't want to take up too much of your time. But if you want to watch this TV show with us, please sit down and lay down with us. Like, it was just really sweet. And um, I felt like they were like my family when, like, my own family couldn't show up in that moment. Thanks. Is it on? Oh, hi. Um, this was actually a couple of years ago, but um, I was in ninth grade, and my family had, it was the first time that we were going to do some big vacation together. In the summer, we went to California. It was really fun. Um, and I was just a goober, and I decided to eat an entire flat of strawberries. And I've never, I'm not allergic to any food, but uh, some reason I had a big reaction to it. And so I um, was so sick. Uh, like I had so many hives all over my body, just like I was in so much pain out. Like that was one of the most painful things I've ever like 
experienced. And I remember like we were, I was just laying in the bed at night and my dad like was just being so kind. And he was just like, he would drive to CVS and get me ice packs or get me medicine or anything. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, dad, like, it's like 2 a.m., please go to bed. But I'm also like crying because I'm in so much pain. Um, and he's like, no, like, I don't care if we're on vacation. Like, in my mind, I didn't want him to do anything for me because it was his time off. He hadn't had a time off in so long. Uh, instead, he was staying up at 2 a.m. to make his daughter, like, feel better. Um, and so, like, it's okay. And so he's going to the uh, store to get medicine and all these things. And I fall in and out of sleep. And at one point, I wake up. Um, and I, he's, like, kneeling by my bed. And he's, like, praying out loud, one, for God, like, to heal me. But also, he's like, Lord, like, if you like, if you could take her pain onto me, like, please do that. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, and I was just like, dad, like, why? Like, why would you ask that? Um, and he's just like, I love you so much. And I don't want you to go through this. Um, and it was just so impactful for me to like, and he was like, that's the kind of love that God has for us. And it was just like, like that story has carried with me for so long. But yeah, thanks yeah. for sharing that. One more? Was there somebody over here or is somebody? Michelle, you want to go? Hey, hi. Wow. Um, <laughs> one time that I felt really cared for was over the summer. Um, I just had like a hard summer this past summer. I, all my roommates last year were seniors, so they graduated and moved out. So it was five of us, and then there was one of me after they left. And I tried to stay there two nights and was like, I can't do this. This is really hard. Because I just, like, I lost some roommates, but also some really good friends. So I was like, I'll stay with my parents. And then after a couple weeks, we had, like, some pretty hard conflict that kind of blew up and then I wasn't allowed to stay there so what happened was that I was like living alone in my house for like two months and it was just really hard um and I at the same time I'm crying now and that's okay <laughs> yeah at the same time it just felt like abandoned but also that I didn't have like good friends or any good um people in my life who cared about me um and I just I think Satan really just had this foothold and was just really trying to make me feel like uncared for and that I wasn't like worth anything. But, you know, there were people in my life who kept checking on me and kept reminding me that like I was loved. And I think God really used that time to draw near to me too. Yeah. One of the things I want you to hear in all of what uh, people shared is that there was nothing said in any of those that most any of us could do. See, God makes us feel really cared for all the time, and most of the time, it's by doing things that he just didn't have to do, but he did. Sometimes he does really big things that nobody from God, but God could do, but a lot of times he uses us just to do what we can do, and that's what makes people feel really cared for. That's what makes us feel really cared for. And I would just encourage you that if you have a story about a time when you felt especially cared for, that you share that during communion today with one another. And um, don't let this be the last time you think about that. But God shows he cares for us in a thousand different ways. I mean, just look at the things he didn't have to do. Like he didn't have to make color. He didn't have to make families. He didn't have to make puppies. You know, like he just shows us how much he cares about us in so many different ways. He didn't have to be personal, but he is. And he does things for each of us personally. And ultimately, God showed us he cared through Jesus. Romans 8, 31 through 34 is one of my favorite passages. What shall, I can't say it, but it's one of my favorites. <laughs> what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What a sweet, caring, gentle image of Christ interceding for us. Who are you interceding for? Who are you praying for and interceding with God to do the best for that person, to show his caring for that person? God really cares for us, and we should really care for other people. Okay, third, because he really cares for us, he wants to do what's best for us, and because he knows us, he knows what's best for us. That's another way that God shows his gentleness. See, the shepherd carries a rod and a staff, and he knows how to use them, but he also knows how to tenderly carry the ones who are young or the ones who are sick or the ones who are sad, and he carries them close to his heart. But the rebellious and the wanderer, he carries on his back. He flings them over his shoulders. And the shepherd is rejoicing. The shepherd is happy that he has found the one that has wandered off. But the sheep needs to feel the weight of that wandering so that he won't do it again. See, the shepherd knows exactly when to be soft and when more severe guidance should be used. Being gentle is doing what's best for people. I'm going to share an example with you, and, and this particularly, particular example has to do with sin. But I could have given you an example about many other things. I could give you an example of gentleness with someone who's young, someone who's sick, someone who's heartbroken, someone who's stubborn, someone who's weak. I could go on and on. There are all kinds of examples to give. And so I just say that to say, if this one doesn't speak to you, it's not the only one. There are a lot of them. So there's a young man that we are close to that had only been a Christian for a couple of years. And he called and he wanted to meet and talk with us about some sin that he had closed the door to previously in his life, but that he had recently let back in. Think about the lioness with the cub in her mouth at this point. As he sobbed out his confession, we cried with him, we hugged him, we prayed with him, gentle. He had always struggled with believing that he could be forgiven, so we read scriptures with him about what God says about forgiveness, and we assured him of God's mercy for him, gentle. But we also talked with him about the consequences of that sin. We were very direct and very clear about what that looked like. Gentle? Yes, because it was what he needed. But I guarantee you, it did not feel gentle to him and it did not feel gentle to us. Part of that was that his girlfriend that he was about to start Guide to Decide with had to be told, like he had to confess this sin to her because it involved her as well. Gentle, didn't feel like it. Hard, very hard. And when he slipped into despair, we pulled him out, we prayed for him, gentle. And when everything was finally resolved, we celebrated God's sweetness with him, gentle. See, gentle is about that baby cub in the mother's mouth. We could have crushed him. Like we could have been way too harsh and crushed him. We could have just made it like, oh, that's okay. It's, it's not a big deal. And then he would not have learned what he needed to learn from that sin and from those consequences. We didn't do that because Kurt and I are somehow super uh, gentle people just naturally. If it had just been me naturally, I think I probably would have blown up 
because there was a very real sense of anger in um, also the love that was there. Um, But see, what happens is that God is gentle and he's transforming us to look like him. And so God gives us the strength to be gentle. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, which is power, more power than we can imagine. But as we try to be gentle and as the Holy Spirit transforms us, the power comes from God and we submit it to his control to use according to his will and not ours. God is gentle. He has power under control. We see it in his character and how he really knows us, really cares about us, and does what is best for us. These are incredibly unique qualities for a God. I want you to think about that for a minute. These are incredibly unique qualities for a God. I'm going to go back and pick up a couple of other verses from Isaiah 40. This is verse 12 and verse 26. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. A God that powerful that is not gentle is terrifying. A God that powerful that is not gentle is terrifying. We are blessed beyond understanding to have a God who chooses to control his power for our good a God who really knows us and cares about us and does what is best for us. And we need to make it our goal to be gentle with others like he is gentle with us. So I have a challenge for you this week. I want you to think about who is it hardest for you to be gentle with? Who is it hardest for you to be gentle with? And that might be a specific person or it might be a kind of person, okay? And then do you need to know them better? Do you need to care about them more? Or do you need to do what's best for them? Which of those things do you need to work on next? Because guys, it's not always easy to do what's best for someone. And it's certainly not always quick to do what's best for someone. And then ask God to give you the desire to be gentle with them and to look for opportunities to practice. And then also part of your challenge this week is to memorize Isaiah 40, 12 through 14 for next next week. That's our next memory verse. Yeah. So who is it hardest for you to be gentle with? Do you need to know them better? Care about them more? or do what's best for them, and then ask God to give you the desire to be gentle and look for opportunities to practice. 40, 12 through 14. And I'll just remind you that those are also on Facebook. There's a post on Facebook that has our series, and it has the dates and what scripture we're memorizing for every week. So if you forget, you can go back and look there. You can also text me through the week if you forget, and I'll be happy to to remind you. I've had several people do that as well. So are there any questions that I cannot answer for you this morning? (laughs) Any comments? Any challenges? Angel? Oh, yes. Yes, please wait for the microphone, even if I don't. Listen, you might have already mentioned this, or this might just be a dumb question, and I'm okay with that. Um, But my ultimate question is, how do you actually, like, come to understand in your own life, like God being gentle, is that like through regular prayer and discernment? Or is it like you just already associate God, like like that's just a fact, like God is a gentle God. And so like in these moments where you might feel cared for, you're like, oh, surely that was God because it's good. Okay, so I think there's a couple of things with that. 
One of them is I think that as we read scripture, we see how other people described God and thought about God. And we see that theme of gentle. It's one of the reasons why I think the good shepherd image is so important. Um, so I think that reading scripture and seeing how other people talk about him is helpful for that. I think that experiencing him and asking yourself the question, I feel really cared for right now. Could this be God? You know, like, why would I say that it's not him? Um, so that you really start becoming aware of when is God really taking care of you? How can I really see him? And then I think you listen to other people as well. And when they tell you about times that God has been gentle with them and taking care of them. And all of those things together, I think, work to bring that to be your first thought rather than your last. That's my best answer. No, I'll take it. Okay. All right, so we're going to take communion next. And if you haven't been here before, when we take communion, we have baskets and we have a goblet with grape juice in it. And you just take some bread and dip it into the grape juice. Um, if you want to take some time and be reflective, you're more than welcome to do that. And we tend to be more celebratory um, because we think this is really something to celebrate, that our good shepherd laid down his life for us and is gentle with us and kind to us. And I'm going to read Isaiah 40, 10, and 11 again, and then I'll say a prayer, and we'll take communion and then come back to your seats and we'll sing some songs. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God, I pray that as we take communion this morning, that we would see you as our good, good shepherd. I pray, God, that... Um, we would be thankful and grateful for the ways that you know us and care about us and do what's best for us. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform us to be people that are gentle like you are. We love you so much and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.